Welcome to TrekCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council in Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio, Trek's Marketing and Communications Coordinator. Our guest today is Stantex Rod Shabesh, who flew in from Calgary in Alberta, Canada, to be part of our Bank of Texas Speaker Series panel back in September, and then sat down with us to talk about the future of autonomous vehicles and whether Dallas has the necessary infrastructure to support them. I'd now like to thank Boca Powell, today's sponsor, for their support of our transportation podcast series. And now here's a word from them. I'm Chris Barnes, a principal of Boca Powell Architects in Dallas. And we've been working with Airbus and Hellasum on a new facility in Grand Prairie. Our involvement with helicopters is important as we look for the future for Uber Elevate and the type of product that they're going to use. As the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex grows and expands, transportation becomes a really key issue and an important factor. So being able to move through the city via helicopter or whatever mechanism it is becomes very important. Boca Powell is moving people and companies forward. To learn more, visit bocapowell.com. Big thanks to Boca Powell for their sponsorship and support. Now, here's Raj Shabesh. What's the difference between autonomous uh, vehicles and other types of new technology out there? Well, um, autonomous vehicles obviously are, are, are vehicles that drive themselves, um, and which is a very, very powerful technology and is revolutionizing the way um, people get around and the way the future of transportation is going to happen. But there's also a big difference between autonomous vehicles and connected vehicles. Um, they are completely separate, um, but when they work together, you get a huge benefit. So connected vehicles involve the installation of roadside units along a road corridor, and the, uh, and the vehicle itself has to have an onboard unit that uses um, DSRC, dedicated short-range communication uh, uh, system, that, that, uh, that allows the vehicle to talk to roadside units um, and, and also to other vehicles. That information then gets passed to Traffic Management Center, and from a network perspective, you have the ability to start to look at, at vehicles within an, entire, within, within an entire city, which gives you the benefit of then starting to look at how to mitigate congestion, how to deal with, with the challenges around that. Uh, an autonomous vehicle on its own, um, although amazing, has its limitations. It can't see around corners. It doesn't know what's happening two blocks away or the other side of the city. So, but when you get the two of them together, you get the benefit of, of, um, of a vehicle that is 100% compliant to communications within traffic management center. So you mentioned some of those challenges, um, you know, they can't look around corners, things of that nature. Why might someone use an autonomous vehicle instead of, you know, either calling an Uber or Lyft or just getting in their own car? Well, in, in, all, in all honesty, as time goes on, the Uber and Lyft will be autonomous as well. Um, and your own vehicle most likely will become that way too. So it's just a question of who's the early adopters. And uh, the idea of, uh, implementing autonomous vehicle technology currently is somewhat limited. It's not 100% there. Um, and so the, 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 the large uh, TNCs and uh, the OEMs are definitely doing, having a race to try to figure out who's the first to be able to implement these. And, and they're testing them. So it's, it's, it's an early stage still. Obviously, as, as advanced and as incredible as this technology can be, um, I'm, I'm sure it would come with some public concern, especially because it is so new. Um, has there been any kind of government interaction? Uh, what kind of what kind of regulation could we possibly see from from this? Yeah, so um, obviously this this technology is really revolutionary, um, and it's changing the transportation world upside down. 
uh, and one of the first um, steps to, to move forward to be able to uh, operate a vehicle with no driver is getting the regulations and the policies in place. Um, so um, there's been tremendous movement in that in the last couple of years. Uh, more than half the half the states now have regulations in place to allow self-driving vehicles to operate on public roads, um, uh, and it's it, that that adoption rate is ramping up. So um, that's been a tremendous move on the governments to be able to get that in place. Uh, as far as the actual deployments of these vehicles, there's a lot of shuttles that are being deployed. Uh, a number of the number of the, the bigger OEMs are all pursuing their own autonomous vehicles. And, uh, and there's, there's definitely um, the need for partners. I mean, governments cannot do it alone. They recognize that. And, and in fact, as this technology revolution occurs, the need for partners, not just uh, OEMs and, and governments, but also uh, uh, high-tech companies, uh, mobile carriers, um, consulting engineers, you name it, there, there's, a, there's a whole slew of, of, uh, of, of need out there in terms of expertise and, and support. How will traditional city transportation and land use planning be affected by the, you know, widespread implementation of autonomous vehicles on the road? So it's going to have a big impact for sure. Um, the ability for vehicles to be able to travel um, closer together, uh, to be able to not deviate, the need for 12-foot uh, lanes can be narrowed down because of the human impact uh, of the way we drive vehicles. We, we don't follow things perfectly. Um, the reaction time for braking is, is, you know, a big issue. So the, the, the amount of space we need between cars, particularly at higher speeds, uh, the shoulder widths, the clear zones, the, the shy distances necessary, a lot of that will go away. So now all of a sudden you can start looking at much narrower roadways, uh, much narrower corridors. What that means is you can now start to um, you redistribute re, um, the, the, the cross-section of a road. Uh, and, and uh, allow the same amount of vehicles or, or actually a lot more vehicles in the same width. Um, the ability to platoon vehicles through connected vehicle technology is also uh, a, a big upside for adding capacity. So that's going to have a big impact on the way um, uh, transportation corridors, particularly road ones, um, have evolved over the years. Uh, as, as it relates to land use planning, uh, of course, that has big impacts as well. So, you know, for, for future developments, the need for allowing uh, as robust uh, roadways is, is will definitely uh, be reduced. The ability to start um, trans transferring some of the existing paved surfaces on roadways and giving it back to the pedestrians through uh, wider um, uh, sidewalks and, and sort of more complete street approaches to, to the use of the cross-section. And the other really, really big issue is parking. The amount of plate space we uh, allow for parking, um, both in terms of uh, on-street and, and structured parking and surface lots um, as we move towards more of a mobility as a service and a, and a shared a shared um, vehicle strategy um, car ownership is going to go down and and the need for parking a car and having it sit for 90 95 percent of its time is going to go away and that's going to free up a lot of land and re reduce a lot of cost in, in the planning and the, and the development of communities of tomorrow so Frisco recently launched an autonomous vehicle program between Hall Park and the STAR. Uh, what have been some of the early takeaways from that implementation? How has it gone? Has it gone according to plan? <coughs> well, I'm not from the Dallas area, but uh, my understanding is that it's, it's gone well. And uh, um, the, the Frisco deployment, for sure, uh, the Arlington one as well at, at uh, the Cowboys Stadium uh, area, was one that I was uh, I was a little concerned about, to be honest. Uh, we do a lot of work with uh, the sh shuttle suppliers, and they uh, they typically 
Uh, as with any new technology, when you first deploy it, you want to deploy it in an area that has uh, it is that is uh, has minimal conflict points, minim uh, lower risk. Um, of course, when you implement something new, um, there's a lot of eyes on it, and if you have an accident or an issue, um, then then that threatens uh, a lot of the credibility of the technology. Uh, fortunately, I, I hear everything's going well at both deployments, and that's great. Um, and uh, and so I think that the, the successful deployments of, of shuttles and, and other uh, autonomous vehicles and connected vehicles, I think is all a very good thing. We just want to minimize the risk of issues. Uh, the fatalities that have happened uh, of late on, on some of the autonomous vehicles, is, 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 as I'm sure you know, has definitely set back the industry, uh, although it was a brief setback and, and uh, a bit of a pause for, for some companies. Other companies continue to move forward. And th there's, there's absolutely no doubt that this is going to move forward in general, uh, but we want to minimize the negative publicity as much as possible and have successful deployments. And that gets back to having good planning, good engineering, uh, having redundant um, systems in place to, to protect against uh, any kind of uh, false uh, issues that could occur. Thanks so much to Rod Shabesh of Stantec and Boca Powell for sponsoring today's episode. Just a reminder, please subscribe to TrekCast over on iTunes and follow us on social media. We are at The Real Estate Council on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram at Trek Dallas. Once again, I'm Bill San Antonio. We'll see you next time.